Letter sixty three of Pamela, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, volume two by Samuel Richardson. Letter sixty three from Mrs. B to Lady Davers my dear lady we are just returned from accompanying the worthy miss darnford as far as bedford in her way home where her papa and mamma met her in their coach sir simon put on his pleasant airs and schooled mr b for persuading his daughters to stay so long from him me for putting her upon asking to stay longer and she for being persuaded by us we tarried two days together at bedford for we knew not how to part and then we took a most affectionate leave of each other we struck out of the road a little to make a visit to the dear house where we tarried one night and next morning before anybody could come to congratulate us designing to be in cog we proceeded on our journey to london and found my dearest dear boy in charming health what a new pleasure has god bestowed upon me which after every little absence rises upon me in a true maternal tenderness every step i move toward the dear little blessing yet sometimes i think your dear brother is not so fond of him as i wish him to be he says tis time enough for him to mind him when he can return his notice and be grateful a negligent word isn't it madam considering my dear father came to town to accompany my good mother down to kent and they set out soon after your ladyship left us it is impossible to describe the joy with which his worthy heart overflowed when he congratulated us on the happy event and as he had been apprehensive for his daughter's safety judge my lady what his transports must be to see us all safe and well and happy and a son given to mr b by his greatly honoured daughter i was in the nursery when he came so was my mother miss darnford also was there and mr b who was in his closet at his arrival after having received his most respectful congratulations himself brought him up though he has not been there since indeed he ha'n't pamela said the dear gentleman see who's here i sprang to him and kneeled for his blessing oh my father said i see pointing to the dear baby at the nurse's breast how god almighty has answered all our prayers he dropped down on his knees by me clasping me in his indulgent arms oh my daughter my blessed daughter and do i once more see you and see you safe and well i do i do blessed be thy name o gracious god for these thy mercies while we were thus joined happy father and happy daughter in one thanksgiving this sweet baby having fallen asleep the nurse had put it into the cradle and when my father rose from me he went to my mother god bless my dear betty said he i long to see you after this separation here's joy here's pleasure oh how happy are we and taking her hand he kneeled down on one side of the cradle and my mother on the other both looking at the dear baby with eyes running over and hand in hand he prayed in the most fervent manner for a blessing 
upon the dear infant, and that God Almighty would make him an honor to his father's family and to his mother's virtue, and that, in the words of Scripture, he might grow on and be in favor both with the Lord and with man. Mr. B. has just put into my hands Mr. Locke's treatise on education, and he commands me to give him my thoughts upon it in writing. He has a very high regard for this author, and tells me that my tenderness for Billy will make me think some of the first advice given in it a little harsh. But although he has not read it through, only having dipped into it here and there, he believes from the name of the author I cannot have a better directory and my opinion of it, after I have well considered it, will inform him, he says, of my own capacity and prudence, and how far he may rely upon both in the point of a first education. I asked if I might not be excused writing, only making my observations here and there to himself, as I found occasion, but he said, you will yourself, my dear, better consider the subject and be more a mistress of it, and I shall the better attend to your reasonings when put into writing. And surely, Pamela, you may, in such an important point as this, as well oblige me with a little of your penmanship as your other dear friends. After this, your ladyship will judge I had not another word to say. He cuts one to the heart when he speaks so seriously." I have looked a little into it. It is a book quite accommodated to my case, being written to a gentleman, the author's friend, for the regulation of his conduct towards his children. But how shall I do if in such a famed and renowned author I see already some few things which I think want clearing up? Won't it look like intolerable vanity in me to find fault with such a genius as Mr. Locke? i must on this occasion give your ladyship the particulars of a short conversation between your brother and me which however perhaps will not be to my advantage because it will show you what a teasing body i can be if i am indulged but mr b will not spoil me neither in that way i dare say your ladyship will see this in the very dialogue i shall give you thus it was I had been reading in Mr. Locke's book, and Mr. B. asked me how I liked it. Exceedingly well, sir, but I have a proposal to make, which, if you will be pleased to comply with, will give me a charming opportunity of understanding Mr. Locke. What is your proposal, my dear? I see it is some very particular one by that sweet earnestness in your look. Why, so it is, sir, and I must know whether you are in high good humor before i make it i think you look grave upon me and my proposal will not then do i'm sure you have all the amusing ways of your sex my dear pamela but tell me what you would say you know i don't love suspense maybe you're busy sir perhaps i break in upon you i believe you were going into your closet true woman how you love to put one upon the tenters yet my life for yours by your parade what I just now thought important is some pretty trifle. Speak it at once, or I'll be angry with you, and tapped my cheek. Well, I wish I had not come just now. I see you are not in a good humor enough for my proposal. So pray, sir, excuse me till to-morrow. He took my hand and led me to his closet. 
calling me his pretty impertinent and then urging me i said you know sir i have not been used to the company of children your dear billy will not make me fit for a long time to judge of any part of education i can learn of the charming boy nothing but the baby conduct but now if i might take into the house some little master of three or four years old or miss of five or six i should watch over all their little ways and now reading a chapter in the child and now one in the book i can look forward and with advantage into the subject and go through all the parts of education tolerably for one of my capacity for sir i can by my own defects and what i have wished to mend know how to judge of and supply that part of life which carries a child up to eleven or twelve years of age which was mine when my lady took me a pretty thought pamela but tell me who will part with their child think you would you if it were your case although ever so well assured of the advantages your little one would reap by it for don't you consider that the child ought to be wholly subjected to your authority that its father or mother ought seldom to see it because it should think itself absolutely dependent upon you and where my dear will you meet with parents so resigned besides one would have the child descended of genteel parents and not such as could do nothing for it otherwise the turn of mind and education you would give it might do it more harm than good all this sir is very true but have you no other objection if one could find a genteelly descended young master and would you join to persuade his papa to give me up his power only from three months to three months as i liked and the child liked and as the papa approved of my proceedings this is so reasonable with these last conditions pamela that i should be pleased with your notion if it could be put in practice because the child would be benefited by your instruction and you would be improved in an art which i could wish to see you an adept in but perhaps sir you had rather it were a girl than a boy i had my dear if a girl could be found whose parents would give her up to you but i suppose you have some boy in your head by your putting it upon that sex at first let me see sir you say you are in a good humour let me see if you be looking boldly in his face what now with some little impatience would the pretty fool be at only sir that you have nothing to do but to speak the word and there is a child whose papa and mamma too i am sure would consent to give up to me for my own instruction as well as for her sake and if to speak in the scripture phrase i have found grace in your sight kind sir speak this word to the dear child's papa and have you thus come over me pamela go i am half angry with you for leading me on in this manner against myself this looks so artful that i won't love you dear sir and dear madam too be gone i say you have surprised me by art when your talent is nature and you should keep to that i was sadly balked and had neither power to go nor stay at last seeing i had put him into a kind of flutter as now he had put me i moved my unwilling feet towards the door he took a turn about the closet meantime yet stay said he there is something so generous in your art that on recollection i cannot part with you 
He took notice of the starting tear. I am to blame. You had surprised me so that my hasty temper got the better of my consideration. Let me kiss away this pearly fugitive. Forgive me, my dearest love. What an inconsiderate brute am I when compared to such an angel as my Pamela. I see at once now all the force and all the merit of your amiable generosity, and to make you amends for this my hastiness, I will coolly consider of the matter, and will either satisfy you by my compliance, or by the reasons which I will give you for the contrary. But say, my Pamela, can you forgive my harshness? Can I? Yes, indeed, sir, pressing his hand to my lips, and bid me go and be gone twenty times a day if I am to be thus kindly called back to you, thus nobly and condescendingly treated in the same breath. I see, dear sir, continued I, that I must be in fault if ever you are lastingly displeased with me, for as soon as you turn yourself about, your anger vanishes, and you make me rich amends for a few harsh words. Only one thing, dear sir, let me add, if I have dealt artfully with you, impute it to my fear of offending you through the nature of my petition and not to design, and that I took the example of the prophet to King David in the parable of the ewe lamb. I remember it, my dear, and you have well pointed your parable and had nothing to do but to say, Thou art the man. I am called upon by my dear benefactor for a little airing, and he suffers me only to conclude this long letter, so I am obliged with greater abruptness than I had designed to mention thankfully your ladyship's goodness to me, particularly in that kind, kind letter, in behalf of my dear parents, had a certain event taken place. Mr. B. showed it to me this morning, and not before, I believe for fear I should have been so much oppressed by the sense of your unmerited goodness to me, had he let me known of it before your departure from us that I should not have been able to look up at you, heaping favors and blessings upon me as you were hourly doing besides. What a happy creature am I, but my gratitude runs me into length, and sorry I am that I cannot have time just now to indulge it. Is there nothing, my dear Lord and Lady Davers, my dear Lady Countess, and my good Lord C., that I can do to show at least that I have a will, and am not an ungrateful, sordid creature. And yet, if you give me power to do anything that will have the appearance of a return, even that power will be laying a fresh obligation upon me, which, however, I should be very proud of, because I should thereby convince you, by more than words, how much I am, most particularly, my dearest lady, Davers, my sister, my friend, my patroness, your most obliged and faithful servant, P.B. Your dear brother joins in respectful thankfulness to his four noble gossips, and my Billy, by his lips, subscribed his. I hope so to direct his earliest notions as to make him sensible of his dutiful obligation. End of letter 63